FBI Radio and Fire Up are proud to present a glittering new season celebrating the barbaric ballet that we call Rugby League. You must feel pretty confident with that uh, additional bulk he's put on. Now watch the defence, it'll be fairly uh, violent I would imagine. And now the gladiators hobble, aren't he, with the left forearm. It was as nasty as we've seen for a long time. A little bit out of character, he's a very clean player. Manly slumped to eighth on the ladder. Uh, it's just rubbing salt into the worm. You can see the head crash there. Oh, very nasty. And the crowd love it. They've all taken the angry pills. That smashes him to ground. The one-handed pass back inside. With a delicate kick. And he smacked their bottoms with a beautiful bit of football early. Thank you, Mrs. Robinson. Another little slanging match. He's only five metres from the line. And he's hurt on the bird. He runs into a wall. Certainly got some forearm in it for some damage done to him with a boot or a knee. But my heavens, he's really bleeding. He's come out of it very much the worse for wear. Bleeding like a stuck pig out there. And the crowd's starting to go wild. Intercepted. Shows it. Goes outside. Steps, steps again. Steps again. He gets it down. It is a try. Yes, it's a try. It's a sad, sad commentary on the mentality of some of the idiots that follow Australian sport. Now, please welcome your muscle-bound maestro, Stephen Ferris and... Chris Gale. As they fire up. Hey, Chris Gale. Hello, Stephen Ferris. I, I, I sort of hope to think that we add uh, a little bit of levity to an otherwise dark and troubled times, uh, but you just informed me that you're very, very hungry. Yes, I'm very hungry, Stephen. <laughs> very, very and, and not just for a win from your sporting team either. <laughs> no, I'm Actually famished. Actually physically famished. I am famished for a win from my uh, West Tigers <laughs> team, and I don't know, I don't feel good about our prospects out of Bank West on Sunday. That's simply because most football fans are very, very downbeat people who think the worst of uh, their prospects of their team, even when they're winning the premiership. Hello, Sydney Roosters. And <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I haven't eaten for many, many hours. Yes, and we, uh, we pass our regards on to the family of Trent Robinson and uh, Roosters Mob for their sad, tragic loss last night. We'll talk about that a little later in the show, but gee, we're feeling it, the pain, aren't we, Chris? Can I just use really one word? Really feeling the pain, yeah. Carnage. Carnage, right. They were demolished, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to mention Schadenfreude or any such term of... Uh, I'm not going to wallow it's on not, the dance on their grave, so to speak. It's not appropriate. No, it's not appropriate. It's really. not over yet. It no, is, but it is over, but it's, it's not, not over yet. It's not over yet. No, no. Mathematically, they're pretty good, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to our teams, Chris. Uh, now, now, look, we are, of course, FBI Radio, and uh, we've been here for 17 years, Chris. We've been proudly supporting Sydney music, art, and culture. In this very suburb, there are two great musical icons as wall murals. There's one down the road, Angus Young. Yes. One up the road, the Kid Leroy. That says it all, doesn't it? It's the past, present, and future, Stephen. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we, we revel in that. We revel in the Sydney music, art, and culture, plus sport. And Actually, we... I have to say, I love the name, the Kid Leroy. That, that's very rugby league. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's a good kid. Yeah. The, the kid's playing well. The kid's done good. The kid Leroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, it is his go to take Australia to the world. That's right. And, and he's locked down in Los Angeles at the moment. We're locked down here in Waterloo. Uh, but, uh, look, there's a bit of a battle going on in art and culture. And I'm not sure where I stand, Chris. Right now, uh, the Deputy Premier, uh, John Barillaro, has called it an absolute disgrace. Grace, what's happening with the Sydney Opera House. Now, uh, we, we, of course, we love the Sydney Opera House and we love our rugby league. We can, we can cope with both those things in one body, can't we, Chris? They can coexist. Yeah. We are proud supporters of our culture, proud supporters of emerging music and proud supporters of our footy teams, right? 
I'm bursting with pride. You're not arguing, are you? <laughs> not arguing. You get that argument from you. Stephen, I've been to the Opera House several times. Several times. That's right. What are some of the highlights of the Opera House, Chris? Well, one day I hope to go to an opera, but no. Um, uh... <laughs> that is funny, Chris. I didn't think I'd be laughing. <laughs> is, Deli, is Dame Nelly Melbourne still around? Well, I, I tell you, one of, one of the, the immediate things I go to yeah. at the Opera House was when I, got, I went to see Lord playing in the forecourt just a couple of years ago. Ah, yes. And I believe that the, the dearly departed, as in radio career, uh, still stuck on Sky, uh, Alan Jones was uh, lamenting yeah. the the impact of the sound of gigs like the Tame Impalas, whatever, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, forecourt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lord was at a and, and uh, terrific performance. Yeah. I'm a massive Lord fan, yeah. but the volume was genteel, Stephen. We don't like that. No, and the problem was music has to be a presence, Chris. And and as you said, we're fans of our teams. Yeah. There were plenty of Lord fans there, and there yeah. seemed like a very nice gentleman uh, to my back and left who yep. was clearly a Lord fan yep. and knew every word mm. to every song and proceeded to sing loudly every word yeah. to every song. Full, full throttle. And with the Alan Jones volume set, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. my concert at the Opera House was not Lord. It was that dude behind me. Yeah, severely diminished, was it? Now, <laughs> it I'm thinking, my enjoyment, I'm thinking maybe Viva could really appreciate Dame Joan Sutherland. Yes. Except... She's not around, is no, she? True. No, Jesus, okay. Oh, that's a bit of a tough one. <laughs> you could get Crowded House to come back and say farewell again. Yes, we could. We could. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, the dearly departed, the much-loved Alan Jones. Yes. He's no longer with us, uh, on at least on radio. Yeah. Uh, I know. I do believe he's bleating somewhere. He's, he's in the press. Is he in the, he's press? In the Murdoch press? Is he, is he, he's he, on Sky is News. Is he relevant? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, but yet, yet he said that, you know, it was for personal reasons that he stood down from the radio. It yeah. might be um, a little bit more complicated than that. Well, we don't wish him any, any ill will, At of all. course. No, but um, he was one of the uh, protagonists, I should say, uh, in attacking the CEO of the Opera House about her... I guess her, you know, pushback against putting the Everest logo on the Opera House. How dare we have sport on the Opera House? And uh, I think many Sydney sides were with the Opera House on that one. They were, but what was re- and and I mean his attacks were unwarranted. And uh, what, what was uh, Peter Volandi saying about Ivan Cleary's comments about the referees managing the game? They were vicious, unwarranted attacks. Ah, yes. And Alan Jones's attacks were vicious and unwarranted, but they got the Opera House thinking. Yeah, the Opera House was <laughs> thinking, well. We certainly don't want our flag, our flags or tails, I should yeah, say, sales, yes. sullied by yeah. commercial images. That yeah. Ultimately, though, they were. Yeah. Uh, Do you know, Chris? I can tell you, as an informed member of a certain body, that when Brian Eno suggested uh, projection onto the opera house, there was a lot of poo pooing because they thought, "Oh, there's a slippery slope here." Once you put art on there, it'll end up with perhaps the Everest. <laughs> They knew that then. <laughs> they could see the slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. And 77 million paintings yeah. plus one, one race yeah. card. I think we had the flag of Lebanon the other day. God love them. Yes. Yeah, in support of. Yeah, 100%. We've had the Olympics. We've had the Blues. We've had all sorts of things to commemorate on a one-day basis. And so, therefore, the opera said, hang on a second. That's right. Who wants to use this issue? Who, we've got a, we, did you know they've got an arrangement, Chris? Yes, there is a, yes, you're a commercial the, the intellectual property arrangement. Yes. Now, yep. I did not know this until this week when they decided to up the price. Now, the Opera House apparently allows the logo, the silhouette, of course, the, the appearance of the Opera House for certain sporting teams. And if I could just run through them for you. Uh, yes. the Sydney Football Club. Hmm. No, well, yeah, okay, it's a soccer team, right? Okay, okay. And they, they use the Opera House because you know they are within the vicinity of the Sydney region. They okay, no, out, I get that. Sydney FC. Yeah, yeah. They play out of that demolished site out at uh, Moore Park. <laughs> yeah, right, right now. Yeah. Let's just say a minor concern. Yeah. Now, something close to your heart. The Sydney Kings have an arrangement as well. Yes, they yeah. do. They uh, do. I mean, from time immemorial, the Kings began in the early 80s and uh, 
my understanding, you've got the crown mm. refer- referencing the king, yes. and then you've got the design of the Sydney Opera House and a basketball. Sydney Roosters. Now, here's where right. it gets slippery, It right? gets a bit weird, doesn't it, you know? Now, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're a football fan, correct? Yes. You're not a fan of the Roosters. No, I'm a football fan of Rugby League. Yeah, rugby yeah. League. Mm. And subliminally, the logo of the Roosters, mm. if you look at it, is it, it's comb, I think it's, it's described. This is the rooster itself. Yeah, that's right. It's in the design of the Sydney Opera House. So that's subliminal, isn't it? Yeah, I know. They're sort of sneaking it past you because, because <laughs> they're embarrassed by one thing. They're embarrassed by the fact that they're called the Sydney Roosters. Yes, right. They want to call themselves Eastern Suburbs, yeah. and so they're not proudly displaying their Sydney origins, yeah. they're subliminally yeah. nodding to it. Or are they just sort of so evolved, Chris, that subliminal works better than obvious? Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are very, very... They are politis-driven. They are, indeed. And finally, I think the lowest of the low, and I think we might have to uh, encourage the Opera House to charge them double. Now, I'm not sure what the figures are. Oh, I can you, tell you, you the figures. figures. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so they've previously, I think, the intellectual property arrangement has allowed the use of the design of the great sales of the Sydney Opera House, one yeah. of the great wonders yeah. of the modern architectural world. Because if you world, film it, you've got so to pay bucks for that. You know that. 100%. Yeah, yeah I know. It's in, yeah. We dips our lid. We do. It was a peppercorn. Now, they've, they've upped the price. They've yeah. upped the, they're asking 50k per year. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's what they've been paying. Yeah, and there's been the predictable outrage. Hang on, isn't the Opera House for all of us? Well, yeah. apparently the Opera House has to cop you putting race cards up there in yeah. terms of who's running in horse races yeah. Yeah. and, you know, Brian Eno installations and yeah. things like that. They knock back out idea of the Todd Carney bubbler being exactly. proudly displayed the front on, the, there with multi-colours. <laughs> on the sales. Yes. Uh, but... They deserve something back, Stephen. And, yeah. I mean, if these sporting teams which represent the forces of evil, which is f- soccer, basketball, AFL, and the Sydney Roosters, because not any other rugby league team spins to mind. Right? No, no. They you sh- might notice that South Sydney has got no rights to it, <laughs> though they're in the City of Sydney region. Yeah. Have you noticed that? West Tigers. West Tigers. Hello. Right, right across from the, opera, the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. We, we actually the went, The Tigers went to do a pitch, you know, that roundabout at the end of Macquarie Street? Yeah. They didn't even get past the security gates there. Is that right? They weren't allowed to do their pitch. Right. $50,000, yeah. it should... I think that's an, asking, it's an opening bid. Yeah, I think they it? should be looking for a lot larger coin than that. Right. And I think what you're suggesting is the Sydney Swans because it's not just yeah. the Sydney Opera House design that they've appropriated, is it? Now, Steve? Let me just backpedal a bit here, Chris. Uh, the Sydney Swans uh, were once, can I just say they were a bankrupt fail team from Melbourne? <laughs> they actually collapsed, physically collapsed. They weren't, they didn't exist. There's had, no proud. There was no proud ending, Chris. They they had to get out of. Had, they had to run out of Melbourne, right? Come to think of it, all the AFL teams have had to get out of Melbourne now, haven't <laughs> they? Come to think of it, yeah. <laughs> so there we got this uh, crash and burn team. I think what were they called? The South Melbourne. South Melbourne South Bloods. Okay. The Bloods. No, okay, the Bloods. They come to Sydney under Edelstein and Willisey and a whole bunch of other, you know, under cover of darkness, cabal under the cover of darkness, and start this ridiculous team at that point in time. And what do they do? What do they do, Chris? They decide to encroach upon the 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 what what was your term again? The intellectual property. Yes. The trademarking, red and white, Chris. You know that's a team from Sydney, don't you? Already I, in existence since nineteen twenty one. You know that, don't you? Are you refer well Proud team. I thought you were going to refer to the St George Illawarra Dragons who've only been around since ninety nine, which St. means George. the Swans Swans actually arrived St. before George, your Chris. team. St. Is George, it? Sorry, Chris. right. St George. Yeah. Sorry, the St George. So that's Dragons. the first thing. And then what do they do? They make a jersey with a V. Yes. St. George, of course, had the red Two. V. Two. Red and, and white And v. then out of the V, they crop out the Sydney Opera House Goodness me. silhouette. I mean, really. Talk about stomping on other people's majesty. If the Opera House is listening, and I know they are, we need to defend your rights and your bastion. If you're not charging the Sydney Swans yeah. 
Three million bucks. Three million. You're not serious. Guess who's uh, backing this outrage, of course, is uh, Ben Fordham, who stepped in as oh. the lackey at 2GB <laughs> for Alan Jones. And this is a disgrace all around. Now, this is not the only thing that's actually happening this week, is it, Chris, uh, when it comes to sporting codes trying to really sail on the coattails of rugby league. Well, we mentioned the AFL, and we tr- we'd like to not mention the AFL as much as possible on this show, Stephen, but basically the, the code's on its knees. I mean, they had a... Can you believe, and you wouldn't know this, but the, the team that uh, uh, pushes your buttons, the Sydney Swans, there is another team in Sydney called the Greater Western Sydney Giants. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So they try and fashion this idea that when they play, it's a local derby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've, and they've, Concocted. They, right. And again, Foe. they've gone in hard. Yeah. They want to call it the Battle of the Bridges. The Battle yeah. of the Bridges, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, The yeah. exact bridge yeah, and the harbour yeah, bridge. Yeah, again, yeah. our property being yeah. appropriated for yeah, the yeah. purposes of this evil code. Yeah. They had to play their local derby over in Perth last night, Stephen. Ah. Right. No one was there. No one the knew. stadium. No one cared. <laughs> now, Kevin Sheedy, who apparently was a coach of one of the teams back in the days, I don't know, um, yeah. something to do with bombers and peptides or something. Right. He said, what we need, and here's a terrific idea, we need to turn this derby, this mm. battle of the two teams, the local mm-hmm. teams, into an annual Anzac Day clash in okay, Sydney. Okay, backpedal a little bit. I know because I've loved it. The Black Hawk would come down. And yes. like, who doesn't love a Black Hawk and its thunderous <laughs> noise, you know, uh, representing the, the greater forces to protect our country. A couple of F-111s flying F-111s, overhead, yeah. hopefully. Parachutes, <laughs> smoke, you know, and then they bring the, 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 the band, the marching band, the, you know, the last post, the Fuzzy Wuzzies would come around with some of the ex-greats, you know, Ashton, Ashton etc. And it is a grand tradition. Of course, everybody's going, wow, that's a great idea. Let's nick a bit of that, shall we? So, this, what's his name? Ke- Al- Kevin? Kevin, Kevin Sheedy. Sheedy. Whoever the hell he is, <laughs> right? It says the AFL legend, Kevin Sheedy. What's it take to be a legend in AFL anyway, Chris? <laughs> I ask you, you know? Seriously. Put up the flags down at some sort of stadium down there. Anyway, quote, my dream time oh, come on. for Swans Giants. Hang on, I thought dream time was an indigenous... Is he not appropriating some indigenous culture, the, a term at The least? AFL just grabs from wherever it can take, Stephen, and I don't know, you, you may not have caught the vision of Basil Zemplis, the Channel 7 AFL icon... Perth dot 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 trying to say Giannis Atenakumpo in the basketball NBA the other night. They just just they're not sensitive, Stephen. They don't understand what they're doing. And I mean, to to tell Sydney siders that you have to divide your loyalties between the Dragons Roosters Anzac Day Clash and the Giants Swans, crowd them all into that Moorpark precinct. I'm I'm friends with Maurice Payne, former defence minister, and, and and she's now doing a great job as the foreign affairs minister. And she's been saying there's not much money in the defence kick. Right. There isn't money for two Blackhawks. No, mean, there's not. Is so there, what is he saying? What is he saying? Is he saying he can just come into the SCG? Yes. Whilst the whilst well, it will be the grand grand new dame yes. next door, whatever it's going to be called, the footy stadium, yes. uh, which will hold the traditional Anzac. And of course, all the soldiers get invited for free after they've done their drinking and their two up after they've done the march. Correct. When right. we can do the march again, and they all come down, and it's a glorious celebration. One game, one city. And now he wants to move these two teams into the next door and try and, what, take the Black Hawk helicopter? How many spare cannons are there? How, exactly. How many parachutes are there? And look... How confusing does it get? It, this week is the 75th anniversary of the victory in Pacific, Stephen, and the federal government's sending out a certificate to the 12,000 surviving soldiers, of yeah. which my father is one. Yes. I don't want my father no. to be put into that situation... No, having to choose. Oh, having to choose. No, no. Between rugby league and AFL, it's not fair. Guess what he says? Can someone get it right and make Anzac Day one of the great days in Sydney for AFL? It's already one of the great it's, days. It, we don't need you. It's the greatest day already, <laughs> Kevin Sheedy. What yeah, are you doing? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, MCG, if you want to copy us, go down there and do it. Well, they already play some game down uh, there between yeah. one, a couple of yeah, their two-bit Sunny... teams, one of whom, hello, is Essendon, which is Sheedy's mob, and then Collingwood. Oh, oh there we go. So if that's not enough. I mean, who is he, one of the great thinkers of the of what? I don't know. It is, of course, copied already. You know, you've got uh, Melbourne jumping on this bandwagon. Probably Brisbane probably have a crack at it too. But really, you're diluting the product. You're diluting <laughs> the glue. Now, Rugby Union, Chris. Trying to do exactly the same thing. No. Yeah. Say it isn't true, Stephen. State of the Union, they want to call it. They reckon they had a, a state of origin well before rugby league, and they say they'd missed the boat. Yes, oh, yes, yes, missed yes, the boat. for some 40 years. Never too late, they say. <laughs> let's let's reignite that real hatred between, is, what are they called? Oh, the Waratahs, isn't it? I'm telling you, yeah. rugby league should probably... I think the Opera House, the art world and the rugby league world need to combine forces here, Stephen. And in fact, I think that they probably, as much as I hate to say it, they probably should give the Roosters a free pass as part of this battle. Because this appropriation of these assets, I mean, there's some TV show coming up called Plate of Origin. That's an assault on rugby league. That's an assault on rugby league. Rugby union having the temerity to try and manufacture a state of origin concept some 40 years (laughs) after Arthur Beetson belted Mick Cronin and started a legend and a legacy. Stephen, can I say, it's un-Australian. And it smells of desperation, Chris. The moment you start seeing ice on the groin, you're starting to think about it.
And shoot, just had one question for you, and that is, are you fired up? Are you fired up? Are you fired up? Are you fired up? I love you. Let's keep moving forward. God bless you. I feel blessed, Chris. Do you feel blessed? Very blessed. Very blessed. Uh, look, um, I um, well, big news, of course, with the Democratic Party, the nominee this week. Yes. I think they love us too. Kamala Harris, right? Uh, yeah, I think she's going to do a promo for us pretty soon. But Chris, we've got more important things to worry about here with this worldwide pandemic, of course. There has been a bubble created by Rugby League for Rugby League. There's a clean section, a dirty section, and I think we're pretty clear on that, aren't we? I think it's crystal clear. Yeah. The Project Apollo laid down the rules and uh, the Rugby League has to follow them. And I think one thing that's important to remember here is right now, because of the shifting sands and the situations in other states and borders closing and so mm. forth, the, yeah. the bubble is a different shape for the average Rugby League player than it yeah. is for you and me. Now, you you and I both have seen Truman Burbank in uh, The Truman Show. Correct. Now, he was yearning for truth. Yes, he was yearning for an awareness beyond his own sphere. He had a sense that something was there were li- there were limits to his existence. He was yearning for a, to know about what was out there, the other. And eventually, he broke through, didn't he? Yeah, and I, I this is an expression that I coined, Stephen, and I've actually trademarked it uh, probably more successful than the, than the Opera House. Is Have that the grass is greener on the other side? Mm. And hang on, Chris, let me get a pen. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, the grass is greener. Yes, on the other, other side. side. Okay, got it. And so. When you work out that your existence is limited and it's only offering you a certain amount of reward, you you earn to go outside it. Now, in the rugby league bubble, there's no doubt that the people whose teams are in the lower echelons of the competition (laughs) suddenly realise life in the bubble ain't so good because we're going nowhere this season. So the bubble starts to stretch and morph and change and and be challenged. If you're an individual and you're yearning for, I don't know, just see your grandmother, for example, something honourable, you can push against the bubble. Does it bend? Can you break through? Can you get out? Uh, Well... It seems that at times you're able to yes. to, to get out. So it's a bit... Sh- this bubble shape-shifts. That's right. Yeah, okay. And if I can imagine, the football teams that are clean are clean on the field, as are all those appropriate people you see on the field. Clean section. Yes. When they leave and they go to the dressing room, clean. Yes. Still bubble. Yep. When they leave to the bus, clean. Yes. Bubble. So the bubble shapes itself through into that little sort of walkway into the dressing room, then out to a bus, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that bus then takes you to said... Holding pen, <laughs> some a resort like in Sunshine Coast for Melbourne Storm. Well, it's different for each team. The Storms, of course, are in some Sunshine Coast resort, and the bubble is expanded to include 115 people. Stephen, partners, wives, children. That's quite a party, really, it's... isn't it? I mean, that really is like summer camp, isn't it? And they have nights because they're getting bored in there. They have Bellamy's Burger Night, karaoke. <laughs> That's right, Hawaiian shirt right. night. Eh? Where, where Bring t- your own plate. Whereas teams that aren't domiciled in uh, areas such as the great state of Victoria, there's yes. more flexibility. Right, and so each team has its own individually defined bubble, yeah. and this is where it starts to get a little bit okay, difficult. Okay, I've for not teams. even thought about it. Where is Canterbury Bankstown hold up? <laughs> I haven't even thought about that. Are they somewhere near the airport? You know, like like near I, mascot. I, I don't think you're understanding clearly how the bubble works. <laughs> there, there aren't nine individual physical bubbles oh, encasing the nine Sydney teams. They're just living in Sydney, Stephen. It's oh. about the way that you live oh. and where you go and who you interact with. Okay, so if there's a, an expanded team, how many people are in this uh, one Canterbury Bankstown bubble team? 
21? I think it's around about the mid-50s is about oh, mid-50s. the... Yeah. So they're all in little bubbles. Yeah. Not a combined yeah. bubble. I, I want you to Jesus understand... Jesus Christ, Chris. I want you to understand, Stephen, the, the, the bubble is a construct. It's, it's a concept. It's a state of mind. It's right. a way of being. Yeah. It's not a physical structure. If you could help me with this, there's a text line, Chris. Yes. 0409-945-945. Please explain to me this. I mean, I just assumed they were just living in one, like a resort <laughs> you, or a golf course. You understand if Adam Edel of the Bulldogs looks out of his apartment or his house, he doesn't actually see... Right. some sort of perspex so you can, you barrier can. like I'm seeing right at the moment as I look across at you. And unlike the little bubble that say, uh, well, he was in a bubble, he was in quarantine, Sunday Bill Williams, where food was delivered. Yes. Harbour Views, yes. etc. We've discussed this, you know, glorious yes. two-level mansion um, in the middle of the city, courtesy of, I think, Meriton or Len Lease or somebody. Uh, okay, so you can understand why an Italian meal would be so exciting, can't you? That's Grappa. right. Who has broken this bubble, Chris? So it, it's a long list, Stephen, mm. but, um, and we've covered some of this previously. Last week, and we might um, come back to this, yeah. uh, uh, Wayne Bennett, of course, at Grappa. Wayne Bennett, yes. Super Paul, coach. Paul Von Giorno at an unidentified Illawarra cafe. Yes, yeah, Italian. Alfie, Langer and, a Alfie, couple, Al- Alfie we, Langer and a couple of Broncos. We all know Alfie loves to drink. Yeah. He loves to dance. He's very frustrated, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, ten... Brisbane Broncos Ten. have now because their bubble in Queensland is a little bit different. They've yeah. gone to the Everton Park Hotel. Yeah. Right now, in their bubble, they can eat in a restaurant, but they can't go to a pub. So here's a philosophical. That's the, that's the delineation. Correct. There, is it? Yeah. Okay. Right, now here's the problem. Restaurant, not. What about if the restaurant is in the pub? Like a lot of them are. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. If and you want to eat, then you sit over there and you sit at the table and you sign in. So as far as the Palaszczuk bubble is concerned, mm. they've done nothing wrong. But as far as the NRL bubble is concerned for mm. Queensland-based teams, the fact that they went in and played the pokies... You're telling me there are, there are two filters for this bubble? There are multiple State, filters. federal... Because the bubble's a concept, Stephen. Oh, it's, a, it's, 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 it's Imagine you're back in the 60s yeah. and you're expanding your mind. Yeah. Uh, you might be seeing expanding Timothy Leary style. Y- your hand moving, growing. Yeah. You might see uh, huge mushrooms. You might also see the NRL bubble as a physical construct. Right, right. Okay, carry on then. Please explain. Okay, okay. so, so we, we, I think we should focus on Wayne again because everybody loves to talk about Wayne Bennett and and his errors. And basically, the only reason that anyone knew that Wayne was at Grappa illegally in terms of the South's bubble, yeah. having his Gamberi yeah. and his Chianti and whatever else he was having. Wasn't he dobbed in by another Greek? Well, so, well, <laughs> Braith and Astor has said it wasn't me. He wasn't dobbed in. Which, okay. to me, I say, Braith, you're part of the media now. Yeah. You're yeah. not a player anymore. You're not in that, that side of the fence. No, you're you missed the scoop of the year, my son. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but someone blew the whistle, yeah. and this has led... Telegraph journalist Paul Crawley to uh, have a very plaintive cry about the state of modern Australian society. Let's have a listen, shall we? That's happening with the, the COVID violations and the COVID police in society, how, how we look at it as journalists, social media, how it looks at it. We have become a nation of dobbers. We really have. And, and of hypocrites. And the... Im- the way that we impose ourselves in, into the rugby league lives at the moment and we try and catch people out, I, I just think it's embarrassing. It's all the people that have built this country and built our game to be what it is today, they'd turn in their graves looking at the way we dine out on other people's misfortune. Yeah, this is the first time I'm going to say I side with Nick Cave on this. You yes. know, cancel culture, un-Australian, it's, it's stifling creativity, and we are not a nation of dobbers, it's un-Australian. Now, Billy Hughes will be turning in his grave. Edmund Barton, our first Edmund Prime Minister. Edmund Barton would be turning in his grave if there's any wriggle room there. Dame Nellie Melbourne. Dame, the Dame would be. Now, I would say Ned Kelly. Yes. 
aren't Australian, no matter what side of the fence you sit on, Harold Holt, no doubt about it, uh, dare I say some of our great painters and singers, etc., as you mentioned, will be turning in their grave if we heard that uh, people were dropping in other people for doing the wrong thing. Does Paul know that it's an actual worldwide pandemic? Apparently not. The economies are collapsing? <laughs> Apparently no not. No one's got 10% unemployment, they reckon, in Australia, and that's an underestimation. If someone, if some, the, the reason why no one blew the gaff on the quarantine breach in Victoria, because they didn't want to be a dobber, Steve, because why? Because we don't want to be a nation of dobbers. No, no. no but how did... Uh, now, I think it's that Pangai. Yes. The guy, Junior. Tavita, Pangai, Tavita, Pangai. Now, he was caught out where, Chris? So, there was a big opening last weekend up north, Stephen. Now, you and I were invited, of course, in our capacity as rugby league, you know, cognosceni. Commitment's too much. Couldn't Abs- do it. Couldn't, well, we're not allowed in. <laughs> not allowed in. Okay, right. <laughs> I actually drove to the border. I was going to dob you in, yeah, too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got there, yeah. and the border official said, Ferris has rung. Yeah, you're caught. You're done, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These papers from Palaszczuk are false. Go around. Yeah. We're invited to the opening of the Black Canvas Barbershop, Stephen. The Black Canvas yes. Barbershop. That's a very, very arty title. That's like... Not in Newtown? No, no, no. Well, they take it's. It's actually called a, a bit of a touch in Newtown in the Greater Brisbane area. Okay. And some of the owners, and let's face it, you, you know, diversification is key in the pandemic, Stephen. Businesses yeah. have to find new lines of operation. You might have making be making gin one day, yeah. hand sanitizer the next. Yeah. You might be the Mongols bikies. Probably operating in the meth market one, one, one day. One, and then you go, well, meth comes and goes, but people always need their haircut. Business strategy, Chris. 101, Brilliant. yeah. Brilliant. Now, apparently, though, this particular salon had CCTV. I, and I got to get my hair cut. I don't look up for cameras, do you? Well, this is the this is the where we're going. You talk about your Truman Show, Stephen. Yeah. Is how many, how many times have you regretted, probably including today, yes. your most recent haircut? Yes. And said... I want to go and take action against that barber for giving me a bad do. Yes. And the barber will go, hey, I did my job. Let's go to the CCTV footage. Chris, can I say a couple of things? George Orwell, <laughs> 984, Thought Police. Yes. Cameras everywhere. Yes. China, face technology, ID recognition. Yeah. It's happening everywhere. You go to the barbershop thinking you can chat with your mate, reveal all the gossip, because you know we always talk everything. I mean, Maddie from Barbaria, come on. Well, he's, yeah, and he, of course, he knows everything. Your haircuts are fantastic because Maddie does every it. every secret in this city right yeah. now. Barbaria, hello. Well, you, you would thought it was a place of confidences, I wouldn't did. you, Stephen? I but, thought that was a bubble not, of its own. But if the price of liberty... <laughs> Is yeah. a better haircut. Yeah. It's a price I'm prepared to Jesus pay. Jesus Christ. Well, but, pe- the, but the trouble with Pangai Jr. Yeah. is they've gone to the footage, yeah. no haircut. Hang on a second. But th- this black canvas yes. barbershop, right, in Windaroo apparently, is owned by the Mongols. Some of the Mongols are Some investors. of the Mongols. What's, what's, their, pol- what's their, their, you know, their, their brand philosophy? Do we know what Mongols stand I don't for? Know, I don't know much about the Mongols other than that they are on the rise yeah. in, in bikey world. They're going well. On the, with a name like Mongols, I, almost, <laughs> I can imagine. Now, apparently, this CCTV fled, is bled straight through to the uh, federal police and state police as well because Task Force Maxima raided the Windaroo Barbershop on Saturday to disrupt a number of alleged OMCG... OMCG members. Some original Mongols. Maybe. Chain gang? I don't know. I'm no. curious. No. Uh, that they were gathered there. Uh, now, they've been charged for allegedly breaching his conditional bail. Uh, and there was also consorting after investigations determined he was associated with biking members. So it's a hot, hot cesspool of criminality, the, apparently. The, they also laid charges that there wasn't a clear delineation between the shampoo and the conditioner. Exactly. They weren't separate enough, no. Uh, now, there's been no suggestion that Pango Jr. did anything illegal. He maintains he was unaware members of the Mongols gang were there at the time. <laughs> but he's been stood down for 14 days, of course. Now, apparently there's been other breaches. You would have thought that the, the 
the choppers that were parked out the front might have been a, might have given it away, a yeah. bit of indication. <laughs> yeah. but and those men with beards and hair. But it's gone bad for Pangai Jr. He's got yeah. uh, six days, I think, to account to the Broncos who want to... And Professor David Taylor, former guest on this show, said, can you now in the modern era tear up an electronic DocuSign contract where you're Press a button. That's, that's a good point. Because they are talking about tearing up Pangai Jr.'s contract. Yeah. But the NRL's come down heavy. A 30 grand find uh, won't accept a registration with another team for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does beg the question, again, about the importance of the haircut in rugby league, doesn't it, Steve? It does indeed. And, Chris, there was a poll taken this week. Can I give you that? Because we just... Really, if you don't care about rugby league, just tune in for the haircuts. That's right. And the dyes and the colours. I mean, it is absolutely something splendid, something to behold, Chris. And there was a vote this week about the most famous haircut of all time. And uh, there was a number of contestants. There, I, so. I have the results if you're interested. Well, look, um, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the low liars was uh, your, your man, Timmy Brasher. Only got 14% of the vote. What, what sort of haircut was Timmy Brasher? Uh, I thought it was a conservative mullet. Conservative. It, it was probably a sort of like like the lead singer of the Radiators type mullet. And I know the mullet takes on great, there's a great variance within a mullet, you know. Yes. And uh, Ian Schubert got 1%, uh, but uh, Desi Hasler, who's now still around with sporting a quite a heavy sort of, I would say nearly an 80s do. Yeah, I would have thought Schubert would have split his vote with Russell Fairfax, but in fact right. Fairfax didn't even make the top 10. Okay. Now, Jai Arrow, 11%. Jai Arrow, who's sporting a, uh, a very, very contemporary referenced haircut. Yeah. Playing for the Gold Coast Titans coming down to South Sydney next year. Right. Fair Dinkum got a good one. Right. Andrew Heddinghausen. He, ma- he was a model. He was. He was beautiful. Now he does fishing. His hair's still great. It's great. Yes, yeah. It's terrific. Not now, as flowing, not as no, mullet, I guess. But, I mean, but don't you like that? You you have a mullet yeah. and then you go fishing for mullet. You go fishing for mullet. That's, wow, Chris. <laughs> but generally speaking, I think men in their 70s and 80s were proud of their hair. Something changed in the 90s onwards. And now, of course, it's get rid of the hair. Now it's just right up the side. And, uh, but, but they want to really honour the man who got it the most votes. 28% Kevin Hardwick. Come on down, Chris. Tell me about Kevin Hardwick. Kevin Hardwick's a big hero of mine, Stephen, and he uh, took the gold over Tierra Nikau, a magnificent mullet, uh, playing for the Melbourne Storms, 13%, and then Mahe Fanua, who also played for the Tigers. So the Tigers know mullets, Stephen. Yes. But Kevin Hardwick played in the 80s yeah. and was uh, memorable for coming on in the 89 grand final, courtesy of Wok Ryan, when he brought on Hardwick and Podgy to tackle us to victory against the Canberra Raiders. <laughs> tackle you to while victory. Blocker and Ciro simmered yeah. on the sideline. And unfortunately, <laughs> there's a pointed image of Hardwick arriving just a little bit too late as Steve Jackson crashes over for yep. the, uh, the the what really wasn't the game-winning try. They already had a field goal. Now, Hardwick yeah. is burnished in my mind, Stephen, because you'll remember the local hero, Wayne Pearce, yeah. Jr., yeah. his final regular season Mr. game Polo. at Leichhardt yeah, yeah. against the Parramatta Eels, and he does a lap of honour because yeah. he's finishing his time with Balmain. Mm. They're playing Mark Knopfler's local hero, black and gold streamers, Man, Akimbo. Magic. magic. It was beautiful. It was also Kevin Hardwick's last game. Right. Kevin left the field with 10 minutes to go on a stretcher, both ears bleeding. Oh. Now, that is, ears, that is rugby league. That is rugby league. That is rugby league. That is a haircut. Harvey reckoned he could never understand the hype around his mullet, but with his flowing locks and fearless approach to his footy, he was loved by the Leichhardt faithful, and he set the standard by which all future mullets would be measured. And you've got to see it. In, in, it's got to be in full flight. Well, it's lioness because yep. it's a mullet and it's curly, yep. and it makes me also want to send a shout-out to Kerry Buckets-Hemsley as well. Great. Mattingly, get rid of those sideburns. What sideburns? You heard me, hippie. Mattingly, for the last time, get rid of those sideburns. Look, Mr. Burns, I don't know what you think sideburns are, but... Don't argue with me! Just get rid of them! (gasps) Mattingly! I thought I told you to trim those sideburns! Go home! You're off the team! For good! Fine. I still like him better than Steinbrenner. 
Newsflash! Newsflash! Wow. Sonny Bill Williams has left quarantine. Oh, yes. Sonny Bill Williams has entered the bubble. And Lord knows the Sydney Roosters need him, Stephen. Okay, last night's game. We have a first game each week, a Thursday night. Man, oh, man, talk about being demolished and embarrassed and humiliated, the Sydney Roosters. I don't know what's going to happen with them, Chris. Sonny Bill might be the saviour, our Lord. Come to save us. The parlour state of the Roosters list, Stephen, the ravaged, injury-ridden list, means that if Sonny Bill can pull this off, he's a quasi-religious figure. He certainly is. Now, Chris, they played a a team called the Melbourne Storm, set up by Rupert Murdoch and family. (laughs) Paid for. We talk talk about our constructs. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. Now, there's a man who knows how to manipulate for success, to build the best particular organ he can find for success. And nothing will stop that man. He's learned the hard way. He's taken a couple of knockbacks. But he knows how to get rid of workers and trade unions to build printing presses in in his own likeness, etc., etc. Now, we've often complained there's something a little bit sort of something suspicious about the Melbourne Storm, the way they can win and win and win and win with no local support. But, you know, there's a few theories out there, Stephen, yeah. but I guess we've got audio, haven't we, of uh, Craig Bellamy's speech to the boys before they ran on last Indeed, night. we have. Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better. Stronger. Faster. Now, Steve Austin, of course, was the very first Melbourne prop back in 1999, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, Yeah, right. So there's historic audio there of Bellamy addressing the first Storms team when they ran out onto the park in around about 1998. Yeah. And... there has been this theory that uh, that they're robots, but they are actually bionic or cyborgs. Cyborgs, yeah. The combination of humans. The number of journeymen that have played for other teams that then go down and be superstars yeah, yeah. in Melbourne, it can't just be good coaching. It's something more than now, that. Because they have to walk amongst us, Chris. Yeah. They have to appear human. They've got to appear like they've got partners. They eat food, etc., uh, etc. Et so it is a cyborgian situation. Can I use that word? You can. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, if you actually went to the Melbourne Media Guide last night and looked yeah. at the nicknames of the players, yeah. there were a few tips. What do you got? Gigantor. Gigantor, yeah, yeah. Terminators yeah. 1 and 2. Jaime. Jaime the Robot. Smart, well, yeah. Jaime the Robot, of course, is Jason Riles, assistant coach of, of the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, Iron Giant. The Iron Giant. Frankenstein Jr. Rosie the Robot. Now, that's probably the water boy, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Hal. Hal. That's the brains. Astro Boy. 
Astroboy, I love Astroboy. And Brainiac and Ultron. Yeah, yeah Cyberman, yeah. Look, that is an incredibly scary bunch of talent there. Because <laughs> And what happens is, Chris, when they're on the field, they show no sign of human emotion. Because we saw some footage last night, didn't we, that as each player runs out, they've got to take the neural patch off. That's right. And drop it in a bucket. That's right. So For protection. So th- the balance or the blend between being human and, so- and, and robot yeah. is alterable. Yeah. And so they change it. So they actually... Drop the patches in, yeah, and th- that emotion has to go somewhere, yeah, oh. and, it, and it all goes up into the coach's box. You're not telling me he puts on all the patches. Bellamy takes not one for the team; he takes seventeen d- yeah. sets of human emotions, wow. yeah. and that's why it bubbles and froths volcanic yes, style. Yes, yes, and windows are broken, and chairs are kicked, and trainers get out of the way, which enables what the one through seventeen Melbourne players. You know what enables them to do, Stephen? What do their job? Win. 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 Now, Win. of course, uh, the destroy. Roosters were inf- afflicted by destroy, destroy. Uh, were afflicted by many, many injuries, and one of the excuses was Nelson fell on me. <laughs> Nelson Ofasa or Sofa o- Osafa. Nelson Osafa Solomon, Stephen. You, you got those names right. That's I don't right. want to be a caller That's any right. day. <laughs> I'll be embarrassed worldwide if I have to call names. Uh, he just fell on one bloke. Yeah. Mitch Orbo. Orbs. Ah, oh, the much-loved Orbs. He just got, he just got, fell, he fell on him, broke him. The Roosters are flesh and bones, Stephen. Kerry end up in hospital. I say to you, Chris, there's something wrong with the Roosters training, though, if they've got so many injuries. How many they've got? 15 now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, Robbo. He's, 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 the Kilimanjaro speech is not working anymore. No, I don't think he did it last night, did he? So that's their run-off music, Chris. Right. <laughs> well, well, well. Uh, I've got a text here. What about Kerry Hensley? Haircuts, yeah, I guess. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, front rower for Balmain. Yeah. Partner in the Ford pack for Hardwick. Fantastic. Bucket Semsley. Right. Those who give up their liberty security will have neither, says Steve. We agree. Yeah, so we've got to watch this. Uh, there's also fun. Outlaw might... Uh, okay. OMCG's Outlaw Motorcycle Gang. Thanks, uh, Stephen. Another Stephen. Well, Plenty of C's around. It's good to know. We, it's, yeah. we love to learn. Yeah, our tears were shed yesterday, Chris. <gasps> tears. Seven years, the longest serving coach for this... the Dragons. Finally said, uh, what did he say? Well, here we go, Stephen. I mean, th- this is uh, meant to be Feel Good Friday, but you've lost your coach of some in seven years standing, Paul Mary McGregor. You know, you know what they call him? St. Mary. Yeah. But... Mary McKillop might be turning in her grave. But um, we, we, that press conference enabled us to uh, get, I believe, to the truth of the matter, and I think we've got a little excerpt of what actually happened oh, to awesome. Mary's career. 100 years ago, Robert Ripley went on a quest to the farthest reaches of the globe in search of the extraordinary and unusual. Today, the adventure continues, searching for the world's most bizarre Astonishing Secrets on Ripley's. Believe it or not. Oh, uh, well, it was a mutual decision. The pointed words of Mary McGregor, it was a mutual decision. We won't say a word, Chris. No, he um, has not officially left the building. No, one more game. One more game. Uh, so tonight. Knock, yes, knock over the eels. Go 10 well. 10 o'clock. Leave the building. Go well into the night, young sir. Yes. Chris Gale, uh, as ever, it's been a pleasure. Stephen, I enjoy this so much, uh, and I'm still hungry. You're still hungry. We haven't fed you at all. We haven't watered you. That's another edition of Fire. We'll be back next week for another glittering show in this glittering season. (laughs) 
So tune in again next week when we invite a veritable breadline of nobodies and wannabes to flesh out another rip-snotting roundup of rugby league shenanigans, slander and smut right here at the home of radio's most fatuous footy confab. Fire!